Gorbachev teared down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, welcome to our guest segment. We're so excited to have him back with us. I believe this is his third visit. His name is Tony Ortega. His blog is The Underground Bunker. You just type that in Google, The Underground Bunker. You'll find it every day. He has fresh content about Scientology. Um, the guy is is incredible. He's fearless because once you start going after Scientology, they go after you. And uh, I got an invitation from Scientology this week to be a part of the 2020 New Year's celebration. Now, I was mentioning to my audience that didn't remember this, but like two years ago, I went to Clearwater and sort of presented myself as a prospect. I went to a class, I went to their recruiting center, and I got on their email list. And so I get all these kind of strange emails. So is this an exclusive thing that I got, or is this just everybody gets invited to this 2020 celebration? It says it says here that I am to show up, I have to click on this button to uh, RSVP, but I go to the Fort Harris. Harrison Auditorium. I go there on December the 31st at 6.30 p.m. for the event, which starts at 7.30 p.m. And they haven't asked me for a million-dollar donation or anything. I guess I'm just on the list. That's interesting. The, the actual event will be held this Saturday night in Los Angeles. They film it ahead of time, and that's where they'll have a couple thousand people in the theater, and David Miscavige will be there. Uh, celebrating New Year's on December 14th. And then on New Year's Eve, they then, what they're inviting you to is a showing of the video ah. of that event that had happened a week before. So it's not quite as exclusive. David Miscavige won't be there. But, um, I didn't know that they would invite, um, you know, outsiders, radio people to an event like that. So, I think you should feel pretty special. I don't, you know, I don't think they, I don't think they know I'm a radio guy or anything like that. I just, and I didn't use a false name. I just kind of went there as like Jim Paris, this guy who happens to be in Clearwater for a couple of days. And I'm just kind of wandering around and I bump, I accidentally bump into someone at the recruiting center and end up signing up for some classes. I I sort of acted all surprised by it, you know, like I was invited on a timeshare tour. (laughs) Who knew Scientology was here in Clearwater, even though that was the reason I went. And I took all this video and uh, pictures of the Tom Cruise uh, house being the home being built in the, the, the uh, penthouse and the condo and all that. So I, I was there for, for, of course, no, no other reason than to look into Scientology, but I don't think they knew that. And I, I just sort of played dumb and went to this class about Scientology and got on their email list. So I get all these, these messages from them. So, all right. So I'm not, I'm not an A-lister. I'm disappointed, but maybe it would be fun to go to this they, anyway. They, they, they consider you raw meat. I may uh, never be seen again if I if I go in there. Well, they they figure if they bring you in, you get to see all the pageantry and stuff that it might convince you to get on course and spend some money. That's right, and then they can get that million dollar donation from me. (laughs) Now, my wife (laughs) my wife brought home this magazine. um, I think it was three or four weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. It's called In Touch Magazine. And on the cover, it's got a picture of Tom Cruise, and it says, Tom quits Scientology. So my wife brings this home from the grocery store. We don't really – I buy these occasionally, these kind of tabloid things, like if there's something there about the JFK assassination or something that I'm super interested in. My wife never buys these. She bought this one, brings it home, and I read this article, which is when I said to her, hey, we need to get Tony Ortega back. Um, The story here is that – Tom Cruise is considering quitting Scientology so that he could have contact again with his daughter because because he's in Scientology, he doesn't have contact with his daughter and that he's considering leaving Scientology, which 
I don't know if I believe any of this. And then I'm reading all this that he's living in that Clearwater penthouse as well. What do you know about Tom Cruise leaving Scientology? Well, um, In Touch was bought by the National Enquirer parent company last year. Before that, even though it was a supermarket tabloid, my interactions with In Touch were that it was a a pretty on-the-level publication, and I would talk to reporters. And when I did, the stories they then published had, you know, a, you know, had some respect for the truth. But now that they've been bought by the National Enquirer company, now they're doing what all the really bad tabloids do. For some reason, they love this idea that Tom would leave. Um, there's no evidence of it. And and really, what I find most dishonest about that particular issue is the cover says Tom has quit. And it says that it was a six-month operation. There's absolutely no hint that this is speculation. It says he's out. You then turn the, open the magazine, turn to the story, and it says things like, you know, if he did leave, it would be so incredible. Right. He, you know, if if he, you know, if he, you know, would this cause? It, it's it's so dishonest that the story inside is just the same old thing we hear from the star or the sun, uh, and now sadly in touch that they're always wondering what it would be like if Tom left, but then on the cover, they pretend like he's already gone. Not only is there no evidence that Tom is actually thinking about Scientology, he increased his dedication and involvement this year. Not just with that double-level penthouse, that I, I built the story on that a couple of years ago, that he was bought, he bought those to top two floors. Right, The building is right inside the footprint of the flag land base, the spiritual headquarters of Scientology. This would be like a Catholic buying a condo at the Vatican. Yeah, it's right there. This it's like you can walk you but can not, walk from there right to that. the building. Yeah. Right. Not only that, oh yeah, it's just blocks to the where they have the courses and stuff. Not only that, but you know, Scientology has four major events a year. New Year's Eve, in March they celebrate Ellen Hubbard's birthday. And, uh, well, they have five. In the, in, in the, in the summer, they do a thing out on the, sh- on the ship in the Caribbean. And then in October, they have this major event in, in England. And Tom Cruise and John Travolta were front row center for the Hubbard birthday event in March in Clearwater, Florida, which surprised me. They don't always go to these things. And then for the big October event, the IAS event in England, Tom not only showed up, he brought his kids with him, Isabella and Connor. He's never done that before. So not only had he been at two of the events in one year, which I've never seen, but he actually brought his kids to one. So the evidence, the actual evidence, is that Tom Cruise is more dedicated to Scientology than ever. And so this magazine is just complete garbage. And like I said, the, it, it, it would be one thing if, they, if, the, if the cover reflected that they were just mon- merely wondering what would happen if Tom left? But to you know, trick people into buying the magazine by saying that he's already out—it's just dishonest. It's it's really a shame that that magazine has gone downhill like that. Yeah, it's interesting how Scientology sells so well almost now that you can you know sell millions of dollars of magazines just by putting it on the cover like that. I could just see the editorial meeting. You know what? Hey, sales are down. Let's just come up with something about Tom Cruise leaving Scientology. So maybe they've got another one coming that, that uh, you know, uh, maybe um, Travolta is leaving Scientology. That can, they can just redo the same article, but just put Travolta on the cover. Um, so do you have any speculation what, what your thoughts are about Tom Cruise? I almost have this weird feeling and, and shoot me down if I'm totally off here, that he's like, positioning himself to be like the next miscavige is that is that a crazy thought well he's definitely very close to miscavige and, and the way that uh, john brousseau put it to me uh, years ago when i interviewed him john brousseau worked very closely with both of them he was actually david miscavige's brother-in-law for for many years um john brousseau's exact words were tom cruise worships david miscavige like a god Tom Cruise is convinced that the most important human being who ever lived is L. Ron Hubbard and close second place is David Miscavige. He is completely dedicated and has completely bought into the idea that Scientology is the only true information about the nature of the universe and our planet. And, you know, people always say, well, he really would like to leave, but he's being black belt. No, he's a true believer. He believes this stuff. Now, the question you had is, yeah, he's, he's, he's very close to Miscavige. 
the Savage did a lot to make sure that they were that Tom was was treated the way he wanted to treat it. But the issue is, as, as far as running Scientology, Scientology is only ever run by the top person in the Sea Organization, and that's Captain David Miscavige. To join the Sea Org, you have to sign a billion-year contract, work day in and day out for the around the clock with Scientology, and get paid nothing. I just don't see Tom Cruise doing that. I mean, he's even said so. He's even said something about how he could never join the Sea Org, but, you know, Clearly, David Miscavige cares about what Tom Cruise thinks, but I just don't see Tom Cruise ever making the commitment to be, uh, to be in a position to actually run anything in Scientology. The, the, for the most part, the celebrities, even though they're true believers, they're, they're mostly ornaments. They're mostly there to convince people, well, science, there must be something to Scientology. Otherwise, why would I see people like Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Moss and Bonnie Rubisi and, 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 uh, uh, Eric Christensen and, and of course, Kirstie Alley and Tom, Tom, uh, John Travolta. Yeah. And, and people are, are saying that if you go to Clearwater, that you'll see him walking around sometimes. He's just, he's like there now. And I guess his son lives there and he's just part of the community now. And he's, he's not behind any closed gate. Although, of course, to get up into his penthouse, I'm sure there's security and all that. But it's just like you come down from that penthouse and you're right on a street that is, Literally, like it's you know you've been there, I've been there. It's like it's like a block or two to where everything is for Scientology. But it's not just like you're inside Scientology's campus. This is a, a city, and for people that have not been there, there's like a pizza shop on that street. There's a a pharmacy. There, it's like a town, but it's mostly Scientology is in control of it. But it is a like a public street, um, and it is a, a regular city with other businesses operating around there. Unless things have changed, that's still the case, isn't that right? Well, and I've talked to people who live there that have run into John Travolta and uh, Kelly Preston just, you know, down near the beach. I mean, you do run into them. A cruise is more careful. The plans of the of the uh, penthouse are really interesting because he not only owns the top two floors, I think it's nine and ten in that building, but he there's a there's a parking garage they put in next to it that wasn't there before. And it includes his private second floor nine car garage. So what he does, and then there's an air bridge. So what he, he does is he drives in the driveway up a ramp into his private nine-car space, walks directly into an air bridge that goes to a private elevator of his own that then goes to the ninth floor. So he never actually gets out of his car and, like, walks on a sidewalk to get to his apartment. Yeah. and then You'll if, never see him come and go. Now, if he goes to Scientology, though, does he have to walk on the street to do that? That's a good question. I, I guess um, they probably have private entrances for him at the flag building. Yeah, there's probably a way um, for him to, who knows, maybe there's a, a tunnel of some sort that he he goes through. Now, tell us the backstory about uh, Tom Cruise getting involved with Scientology. I don't really know that story, and I don't think we've ever asked you that before. Um, he's been involved for like, I think, 30 years or something like that. So this is, he's been involved since he was a very young yeah. man. It's interesting timing because uh, Cruz was already a movie star. He'd already done, you know, um, his, some of his early movies. He had just filmed Top Gun, I think. Um, it was 1986. It was just a couple of months after L. Ron Hubbard had died. And um, he started dating Mimi Rogers. And Mimi was uh, is an actress who had been brought up in Scientology. Her father... One of the things, the reasons that um, this was a problem for Miscavige was that although Mimi was a loyal church member, her dad was what's known as a squirrel. A squirrel is the, pretty much the worst thing a Scientologist can call another Scientologist. That means somebody who's left the church but continues to do Scientology independently. Hmm. And so her Mimi's father, not only was he a squirrel, he ran kind of like a squirrel center. So this was really bad. But anyway, um, Mimi and, and Tom started dating. She started taking him around to this um, sort of feeder facility in North Hollywood that she had actually owned with her previous husband and got him into it. And, and the, the way that you know that he quickly got into it was that by the time they were married the next year, they were married on May 9th, 1987. May 9th is Dianetics Day. It's one of the most important days on the Scientology calendar. On May 9th, 1950, was the day Dianetics was first published. 
So it's not an accident if two Scientologists get married on May 9th. It's very purposeful. So by, by that time, Tom was pretty into it with her. And, that, but then, like I said, it was a, it was a problem for Miscavige that, that, that Mimi was connected to this squirrel, her own father. So when, when Tom then really insisted that, um, Nicole Kidman be in the movie, um, uh, Days of Thunder, and it was kind of ridiculous because I think in the movie she plays like a brain surgeon and she was like 22 at the time, <laughs> but, uh, they made it work. But anyway, uh, he just, he wanted her in that movie so bad. And, and see, Tom was getting counseling as a Scientologist. And part of what you do in Scientology counseling is you're constantly being interrogated about your private life, your sex life. So Miscavige knew that Tom had feelings for his co-star. And since he wanted Tom to get out of the relationship with Mimi, he actually encouraged Tom's auditor or counselor to, to encourage the affair. And sure enough, Tom and Nicole started sleeping on the set at, at the, um, where they were staying at the movie, where they were filming that movie in 1990. And then Scientology, um, put pressure on Mimi. They actually sent L. Ron Hubbard's personal attorney to go to her and say, the marriage is over. Here's the paper signed. Wow. And basically forced her out of it. Now, uh, Miscavige in doing that was hoping that Nicole was just the sort of girlfriend that would get him out of that relationship. He wasn't planning for Tom to then fall head over heels and decide to marry Nicole. Because Nicole had her own problem. Her father was a major psychologist in Australia. And Scientology hates psychology and psychiatry with a white hot fury. So now he, he's got another relationship with a woman that um, has problems. Well, Nicole didn't grow up in Scientology. She grew up a Catholic, but she dedicated herself to Scientology. She really worked hard. I talked to her former auditor who said that within a year, she was auditing OT2. That's amazing. She had gone through an incredible amount of courses and, and to get them very dedicated. But then she soured on it. And I think she soured specifically on the scavenge. She didn't like it. And um, uh, and so this is the thing we didn't learn until years later, was that around that time, 91, 92, after they'd gotten married, she then pulled away from Scientology and pulled Tom with her. And between 1992 and when they finally broke up in 2000, Tom Cruise was basically out of Scientology because Scientology kept it secret. We didn't know about it at the time. Um, when they finally broke up then in 2000, uh, uh, David Miscavige made job one, get Tom back in. And so over the next few years, they really worked on him to get him amped up and really, you know, zealous again. And by 2004, they had gotten crews so wound up, so dedicated that, that Miscavige decided to, to reward him by giving him, you've probably seen the videos of they had this special celebration in October 2004, and they gave him this special large medal called the Freedom Medal of Valor. And, uh, that, that video leaked several years later, and it had this weird interview with Cruz. But that's kind of the interesting roller coaster his career went on. Uh, and then the, the terrible decision they made was once they had him that amped up and dedicated, they set him loose on the world. And in 2005, Miscavige, you know, Tom fired his publicist, made his own sister his publicist, and then went out and started actually talking about Scientology, the famous interview with Matt Lauer on the Today Show, you know, jumping on the couch with, with that Oprah show. And he just looked like a lunatic. It totally backfired on them. And so he has kept quiet since then. Yeah, it, it is because there's no doubt. I mean, this guy, he's he's a brilliant guy. He, I mean, he not only is a, is a great actor, but he also like produces his own movies. So he'll make tens of millions of dollars on a movie where a typical actor makes just a small fraction of that. Uh, so the guy is really smart with his money. He's really smart with business. He's a talented guy. It It just doesn't. Like you said, it makes no sense that he would buy into all of this stuff. And, you know, the reading I've done on on Scientology, I mean, there are a lot of different religions in the world and people have different views on things. But all of this bizarre stuff about Zeno and I mean, you would think that a smart guy like that at some point would say, wait a minute, <laughs> I, I can't I can't go this far with this. But it is almost like a mind control thing, as you said. Um, do you have any theories on, on this? Because there's so many smart, uh, talented, 
uh, rich people. You've even got some articles here about the richest donors um, on your website here, uh, TonyOrtega.org. Um, some of the richest people uh, giving money, multimillionaires giving money to Scientology. Well, I think, first of all, it's important to always keep in mind only a tiny percentage of people ever get interested in this stuff. I know people like to think that there are a lot of celebrities. There's a few. There are a few. You know, Cruz and Travolta and Allie, Elizabeth Moss, Melanie Rubisi, Erica Christensen, uh, Beck recently left, uh, Leah Remini left. They don't have very many big stars. They really don't. They have a few. And most of the young ones that they have grew up in it. Uh, they didn't know anything else. But so it's only got a small number of celebrities and then it only appeals to a very small number of the public. Most people don't uh, get into it at all. But I would say the, the number one appeal and what hooks people long before they hear anything about the space opera is Scientology seems to offer certainty. And a lot of people are craving that. They've lost a job. They've lost a relationship. Things are going badly in their lives. They're, they tend to be in their 20s or 30s and they're confused about the purpose of their life. And along comes this group and says, we've got all the answers to that. We know exactly what, what, how, why, you know, how people work and, and how their minds work, and we can help you unleash your potential. And we have, and, and the other thing is, it appeals to a certain kind of person that likes the fact that they have check sheets and textbooks. And you know, if I just fill out this quiz and pay a few bucks, I'll make it the secret of life. Now, I don't know about you, Jim, but that wouldn't appeal to me, right? I mean, I just wouldn't reject that out of hand. Nobody has the answers to that, to the life like that, right? Nobody has that kind of certainty. But there's a certain small number of people that find comfort in that idea. And so they join thinking, okay, I'm just going to learn some of these exercises to help me, you know, focus better and communicate better. It's not until you're several years in and a hundred and hundreds of thousands of dollars you spend that they start to really explain, well, we're actually these immortal beings that were basically gods and we created this universe and we've lost sight of that because we got trapped by these evil psychiatrists trillions of years ago, and only through um, L. Ron Hubbard's uh, past life therapy will we learn what happened to us millions and billions of years ago, can we then regain our godlike powers and be able to, and this is one example that Hubbard gave, crush a planet between finger and thumb. Okay, <laughs> they don't tell you that stuff until you get well, yeah, so life I went to, to the, as I told... Everybody in your family involved. As I told you a couple of years ago, I went to a class and it seemed like, you know, it's like a personality test and this and that and, you know, uh, how to concentrate better and, you know, have a have goals and, you know, plan your week out. I mean, it seemed like a Dale Carnegie seminar like that I went to, but I I knew better. I knew that this was not they were not going to tell me about some of the more hard to believe things about what they're doing, but how close of a cousin do you think this is to like the Tony Robbins people? Because um, a lot of people will go to Tony Robbins and they'll pay him thousands and thousands of dollars. Now, as far as I know, he's not a Scientologist, but he has a lot of really true believers that will spend thousands and thousands of dollars to just go and watch him rant and rave on stage. And then that night they walk on coals and they do odd things. And, uh, He's made a lot of money, um, you know, doing similar things, offering similar kinds of training. I almost wonder if he's not like a Scientology light or something like that. Well, they all borrow concepts from each other. And I, I'm not I'm not saying anything about Tony Robbins being the kind of destructive person that Scientology is, but they all borrow concepts from each other. They all they all put people through some sort of a stressful situation. Like you remember uh, a lot of these groups. Uh, I was just watching the Bikram, Bikram Chowdhury uh, documentary the other night. You know, you're not only in this hot room doing yoga, but you cannot leave and you cannot go to the bathroom. <laughs> so many of these groups all have, for some reason, all share that. I think that's what hell, know, hell will be like, right? Hell will be like that. A right. Bikram and, yoga and studio, you can never leave. What, Right, Scientology thing is staring exercises, and basically what they're all doing, Jim, is they're all breaking down the ego. It's it's like military training; it's indoctrination. You're breaking down the ego so you can be accept being part of a group, and and your identity becomes more and more involved in the group and less about what you were. And the other reason why Scientology is so effective that way, and again, I want to say it just with a small number of people, but how why it's so effective is 
you know, they call this a church and you come in and if you're expecting to go to a Protestant church or a Catholic church or a synagogue or a mosque, you know, in those uh, organizations, you go in and what do you start learning about? You start learning about things that happened 2000 years ago in the desert, right? I mean, it's not about you. You're, you're learning about these, this history you have to absorb. In Scientology, all they ever want to talk about is you. Well, you know, you know, let's go through your ability to, you know, read these and understand these concepts. Let's go through your past, you know, and that's, I think that's one of the appeals for the, for the, uh, uh, celebrities is it's all about you remembering what you went through. And it all, remember, it all started in 1950 with Dianetics. And the point of Dianetics was you were supposed to remember what happened to you in the womb when you were a fetus. And if you could remember the traumatic things you went through before you were born, it would help you understand why, as an adult, you have things that, that keep you from unleashing your potential. Man, and I, um, I can't remember my, in, my grocery list when I leave for the store. Uh, going back to the womb, I'm not sure how <laughs> how successful I, know, I would be at that. It's ridiculous. And that was Dianetics. And then Scientology, which he developed a couple of years later, they weren't satisfied just to go back to the womb. They want to go back farther. And that's where the idea of the past life counseling comes in. So now... You have a bad bad back? Well, it might be because something happened to you four million years ago on another planet. You just need to find out what that incident was. You have to remember it. You have to talk about it. And then the back pain today will go away because it's no longer being stimulated by that. I'm, I'm serious. This is, how yeah. we, this is how Scientology actually works. And one of the reasons why Scientology is successful with smaller people is they can't talk about this stuff, Jim. They go in there and they learn these things. And, you know, uh, you know, I, Vivian Kubrick, for example, when, when she finally visited her family, she was telling them that she had back pain related to an incident that had happened to her 10,000 years ago. This is seriously what they do, but they're not supposed to talk about that because Hubbard was smart and realized that he knew if people actually talked about what they were doing, they'd all sound crazy. So he had the no, number one rule, no verbal data. You cannot talk about what you do in Scientology. Interesting. Very interesting. For those just tuning in, I want people to know how they can uh, follow you online. And we've got a lot more to go here, about another 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, but if you want to get to Tony's blog, and he does something new every day. Uh, he's really prolific because I don't know how he keeps it so interesting because every day there's not necessarily a big story, but I guess there is because he writes a new article every day at TonyOrtega.org. You can also find out about uh, his book. We, we've had him uh, on to talk about his book. Uh, what's the name of that book again? Uh, the uh, Miss Lovely book. What's the Unbreakable Miss Lovely. Unbreakable Miss Lovely. Uh, Unbreakable That's... Miss Lovely was my uh, book about Paulette Cooper. Right. And then right. Paulette and I together now have a new book out called Battlefield Scientology. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know you had a new book out. That is good to know. Uh, and both of those books um, are, I'm assuming, available through links on the blog at the Underground Bunker as well as Amazon. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, very good. All right. So let's transition and talk a little bit about uh, things that are in the news. There always seems to be news about what's going on in Clearwater, Florida, like the local people versus the Scientology people and Scientology is slowly seemingly like like a uh, you know like a swamp creature they're just like slowly oozing and taking over all of Clearwater but the problem is that they don't pay real estate taxes I'm assuming on all that property and so this creates a real battle between the local people who want to just keep it a normal town you can have a church fine but kind of taking over the whole town. Um, what's the latest with the whole battle there within Clearwater? Do you think they will ultimately just own all of that zone in Clearwater that they're currently in now? Well, they do pay taxes on some of it. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't uh, get tax and status on buildings that are being used as hotels and stuff like that. But um, they, the, the, the main beef that the people of Clearwater have is that in 1975, Scientology invaded that town surreptitiously. They came in and used fake names, and they bought up these major buildings downtown. Um, and then once once the mayor at the time, Gabe Cazares, revealed, hey, this is Scientology moving in on us, they then tried to destroy him through one of their classic spy operations. 
So that was their introduction to the town in 1975. And they bought a lot of property. Downtown basically died. And people don't want to go down there. Now, Scientology, Clearwater has other amenities. It's got a fantastic beach. It's got other, you know, uh, housing and things. There's 100,000 people in Clearwater. There's only a few thousand Scientologists there. They're vastly outnumbered. But they have carved out a lot of territory downtown that keeps other people from coming down there. And the, the, the city has been trying and trying to get a, a new plan to try to breathe some life into that downtown. And they were working on it. And there was one particular parcel that the city wanted to do something interesting with. They want to put, you know, like an attraction there, uh, a shopping center with a boo pub or something. And Scientology coveted that piece. And I've, I've shown people in maps why it's so important to Scientology. It's right next to a couple of their, their main properties. And Miscavige tried his best to mess up a deal that the, the city had with an, with an aquarium that wanted to do something with that plot, plot of land. And so when the aquarium then decided to abandon the planet and sell it, they just wanted to sell it back to the city. Miscavige offered four times what it was worth to get it. But the, but the city and the aquarium were in no mood to let, give Miscavige what he wanted after he'd helped ruin their, their plan. <laughs> so the aquarium sold the piece of land to the city as planned, and they're still trying to do something with it. Miscavige was so upset. And so this was in 2017. He started this new uh, scheme. I I started to hear some things about it then. I heard from one of the one of the um, business owners downtown. He was telling me I'm hearing Scientology buying up a lot of stuff, but you know it's hard for me in New York to look that up. So um, this wonderful reporter, the Tampa Bay Times, Tracy McManus, did incredible footwork and went and gathered all of these records to show that after that land deal soured on Miscavige, instead of the church itself buying up a lot of properties, a lot of wealthy Scientologists quietly and secretly bought up a bunch of parcels downtown that the church didn't already own. And in some cases, they weren't even for sale, but the, the church you know, twisted people's arms, threw tons of money at them, and basically doubled their footprint in that downtown area in two years. Wow. So now Scientology really has a death grip on downtown Clearwater. The city is still trying to do what it can to bring, uh, you know, this new plan. But, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things where even if, even if the, even if the Church of Scientology was to be investigated or something, these were private citizens clearly operating under Miscavige's direction buying parcels that they now own outright. So I'm not sure what people can do about it. Yeah, they're like buying it really, though, as proxies, but it's probably legal what they did. Um, now, it, there was some talk about some kind of an entertainment complex that Tom Cruise was going to fund, and this was sort of going to be like an outreach to the younger generation Hey, come on, you know, to this, come to Clearwater and have fun in this entertainment complex. And, and that would sort of be a way to, to reach some younger people. Is that still something that is being discussed? I don't know if the scavenger is going to do that or not. I think it's something he probably told the city council people in secret, you know, go along with our plan because, you know, Tom's going to be involved. We're going to do something great. I don't know what they're going to do now. At, at this point, it was so clear that all these properties were simply purchased out of spite. Um, I don't know that the scavenger is going to do anything with them. You know, because one thing people need to keep in mind, um, the flag land base, their, their properties there in downtown Clearwater, it's a factory. The whole point of the flag land base is that wealthy Scientologists, longtime Scientologists who reach a certain level at their local facility, wherever it is in, in the United States or England or Australia or Taiwan or wherever, once they hit a certain level, they have to go to Clearwater to achieve the next few levels, no matter where they live in the world. So you have these wealthy Scientologists flying in to do these upper levels. The ultimate top level you can only get on the ship, the free winds out in the Caribbean. But up to that point, you have to go to Clearwater. So that's what this place is. It's literally a factory where they're bringing in these wealthy um, Scientologists, putting them through these upper-level courses, taking incredible amounts of money from them. I mean, you know, they're doing L11, and that'll cost them $70,000. 
Well, then if you do L11, you got to do L12. There's another seventy thousand. And then on top of the char- the prices they charge for the auditing, which is like eight or nine hundred dollars an hour, you then also have to spend you know seven or eight, you know, uh, like three months there. You have to put your business on hold or whatever. You basically have to move there. You have to pay for your lodging and all your meals. I mean, it's incredibly expensive. It's it's not uncommon for people to go there and drop half a million dollars. So that that is why Miscavige wants complete control of that area. Is that he's just it's it, it's the single that one place makes more money than all the rest of the Scientology orgs in the world combined. I often wondered why they didn't like go buy a giant parcel, kind of like not to use the example of Disney, but you know Disney has like twenty eight thousand acres, nothing like that, but to just buy like several hundred acres somewhere and just have like their own enclosed by walls campus of some sort. Um, I guess it this just sort of happened because it started with a hotel and then it just sort of grew from there and it is where it is. Well, it's hard for them to change um, that that plan because the Flagland base, the PAC base in L.A., uh, Int base in California, they were all created when Hubbard was still alive. And so to suddenly say, you know what, let's set up this uh, more secretive place over here in Spain or something, that would be difficult for them because that's not what Hubbard had in mind. So that's another thing you have to keep in mind with Scientology is that the that L. Ron Hubbard wrote all of their policies, and he is, they, they literally call him Source. Hmm. And, and they're following, like, for example, the, the harassment and retaliation policies that they use against ex-members and journalists, he wrote those all down between 1955 and 1965. And he's dead now, and he can't change them. So that's one thing that's interesting about Scientology is it never changes. It's very predictable. It does the same things over and over again. And so I think it would be difficult for them to sort of change fundamentally their location because the the uh, the, leg, the legacy of all of that the legacy of all of that is is certainly there now this tv show uh with Leia Remini that would be going into i guess season 4 do you know if that will continue on or are they well, done? she just had 3 it's over it's done yeah, yeah. and and i know that that has probably done more than than anything to to raise the public awareness um, that show because everybody seems to be the buzzes now, you know, all about that show and, and what she did. Um, it, there's some current litigation too. I've been reading about, uh, is, is there anything that you feel like is promising where Scientology could stand to lose any major legal cases? Wasn't there a case where, um, people who were in the C organization are trying to get compensation for being mistreated and for being underpaid and, and that's still going on, or are there are some other cases that are of note. The the the, the Sea Org approach is 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 pretty much over now. That was a about ten years ago. That was the big thing. Was there was some lawsuits and and people coming out and an FBI investigation. There was a real focus on the Sea Org and conditions in the Sea Org, um, and and really just one. Sea Org person really uh, succeeded in a, in a great, actually two, uh, Debbie Cook and Laura DiCrescenzo both did very well in court um, based on the way they were mistreated in Sea Org, but another couple lost. And that has given way to some new approaches. Like, like you said, Leah Remini for three years became the focus of Scientology watching and, and, and it was a fantastic show. I was amazed it was on the air at all. It was so raw and truthful and and, and she's just amazing. Uh, so that, that, you know, and they covered everything. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, I, I know some people are disappointed that there's not a fourth season, but they pretty much covered every aspect of Scientology in three years. They, they did an incredible job. So that's, that's over with now. And, and now the new thing that's real focused now is there's a, there's a team of lawyers, mostly from Philadelphia, who have banded together and they're former prosecutors. And they are representing several people. So far, they've filed three lawsuits. There's more coming, um, major, major lawsuits. And they really, I think, are trying to um, put together lawsuits that paint a total picture of the abuses that Scientology visit upon their members. And it's still very early days. The three lawsuits were served. Uh, Scientology started to fight back, but it's really going to be developing over the next year or two. And so, yeah, come to TonyOrtega.org because I'm... I'm reporting every step along the way 
in those lawsuits. A lot of these um, stories have the phrase human trafficking in them, which that's a big thing now. People are talking about human trafficking. Is is that angle a new angle that people are taking with Scientology to accuse them of human trafficking? Trafficking is tough to prosecute. We learned that with the Headley lawsuit uh, in, in, in about 10 years ago and then with the FBI. The FBI investigation was a trafficking investigation, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough law to prosecute, actually. Like with the Headleys, they were Sea Org members. They were then in for many years. They were so mistreated. They're basically indentured, indentured servants. And you get paid 50 bucks a week if you get paid at all. Uh, totally mistreated, really awful punishments. They got thrown into a, a lake of excrement, literally, as punishment. But when the, what the judge ruled was that they actually lived in town and drove to the base every day. And he said the problem with prosecuting them for trafficking is you had the opportunity to turn your car the other way and drive away. And that, you know, it, yes, judge, but then, you know, if you understood the mentality of a Scientologist and the indoctrination they put you through, it was a tough case. And, and that's why those trafficking cases are very difficult to prosecute. There, trafficking is being mentioned in these new lawsuits, but the actions are more specific. So, for example, one of the best lawsuits is this woman, Valerie Haney. She was David Miscavige's personal steward for years. She worked in his private quarters. She then got demoted, and but she got stuck on that base because she knew too much about Miscavige's private life. Miscavige could never let her leave. And so she literally had to escape by climbing into the trunk of a car of someone who was visiting the base to get out of it. And then she ultimately became Leah Remini's assistant. She was featured in Leah Remini's show. And her lawsuit is exciting because we've never had someone so close to Miscavige. She should have a very good opportunity of getting him deposed. And that is something the Church of Scientology will fight with all of its legal might to prevent. So that's going to be interesting to watch. What about the accusations of child sexual abuse? Uh, of course, with the whole Epstein case here in Florida and all of that, is there any uh, possibility of any of those succeeding? Yes, there are some people coming forward now with, with harrowing tales of not just um, sexual abuse in the church, which you know obviously would echo what happened in the Roman Catholic Church, but Scientology has this really screwed up idea about children at all. I mean, Hubbard believed that everyone is this immortal being. And so children are these ancient beings in small packages. And so they would be just like dumped off at, at the cadet org and have to start act like, act like little adults. And so they really weren't protected the way they should have been. And they were very vulnerable to abuse. One of the three lawsuits that's been filed is a young woman who uh, says that she was sexually abused in a Scientology school. She was then sent to Venezuela to work for the church, and she was abused as a 12-year-old there. She was brought back to Clearwater, and at 14 was abused by an employee there. And so her suit is going to be very interesting to watch because she is blaming the church for not protecting her. And and then once she came forward, um, uh, I know at one point she was talking to Leah Remini to be on her show, uh, then she felt it, you know, she got the harassment that so many people do from the Church of Scientology because she dared to talk about what she went through. So, yeah, we, we, and, I, and there are more claims coming about young people who had been sexually abused as children in the church. Have you ever been harassed by them? I know that you take measures to um, keep your location under wraps and things like that. Have they ever tried to to uh, come after you legally or otherwise? Not legally. They, they, I'm, I'm subject, I'm subjected to the usual fair game tactics that they've visited upon so many journalists. I'm constantly being smeared online by them. The, the most, uh, you know, I've written about Paula Cooper, who was a journalist who went through the worst of it. But the only thing I sort of have in common with her was the, the most elaborate operation, operation they ran against me was they hired an out of work reporter to pretend that he was working on a story about my wife. And that, she, and he was trying to talk to her employers, uh, asking them why they would hire a terrorist. <laughs> and, and the reason he was saying was that my wife had had engaged in those anonymous message boards when anonymous was a big thing back in 2008. 
like so many other people, she was curious about what they were doing and she engaged in the forums and traded jokes with people. And in Scientology's mind, Anonymous is a terrorist organization. So they were trying to scare her employers into thinking they'd hired this bomb throwing terrorist. Um, they quickly got onto what was going on, but it was, uh, you know, that, that shows you the kind of, of lengths they will go to. They never, Jim, they never complain to me. They never call me up and say, Hey, you know, you got a fact wrong in this story or we'd like to respond. Instead, they sneak around. They've, they've twice sent private investigators to try and intimidate my mother in California. Um, like I said, they twice ran this operation against my wife. Uh, they're constantly smearing me online. All the classic Elrond Hubbard tactics, uh, they've tried to, to, to hit up me with. And I just, for the most part, I just do my best to ignore it. Um, because, you know, I, it, it's, it's just how they always operate. Now, do they have their own internal team of lawyers? It sounds like they're, the litigation is, is never ending with, with them. Do they have a big law firm here in Florida or is it just, uh, their own lawyers that they have internally? They have in-house lawyers, but they spend just incredible amounts of money hiring top flight attorneys around the country. And there's a few that are their favorites. Um, and they just, you know, they hire the best and, and for, you know, the way lawyers are, they'll work for anybody basically. So it's a shame. I mean, they, they just, and I think the reason why they do so well in court is that American courts just literally aren't set up to deal with an organization like this. I mean, if, even if you're, you know, you're engaged in litigation with Monsanto or something, at some point, you know, they're going to make the calculation and say, you know what, we need to cut bait on this. Let's settle. And, you know, at some point they, they, they will see what's reasonable and do it. Scientology never thinks that way. They just keep putting in motions and keep delaying and keep trying to disqualify attorneys. They use every, you know, they just don't act like a rational, uh, good faith organization. And courts just don't seem equipped to deal with that. Wasn't it back in the day when they were fighting for their nonprofit status that they took the unorthodox move of like filing thousands of lawsuits against individual IRS agents all around the United States, which is something like no one would yes, ever do, have the money to do. Isn't that what they did? Absolutely. And that, and not only that, but they ran dirty tricks operations against individual IRS employees. So, for example, an IRS manager, you know, middle manager who happens to own some rentals, they would go to the tenants and uh, convince them to file nuisance complaints with the city. You know, and it just to just to harass, just to you know, Elon Hubbard said it very clearly that the lawsuit is there to harass people, not necessarily you're not necessarily trying to win it. You're just trying to wear people down, and it works. You know, there are there are government officials who will not take on Scientology because they know, as Mike Rinder explained to me, if you are a public servant and you're trying to decide whether to take on Church of Scientology, you basically have to make up a decision. That will be the rest of your career. And most public servants aren't willing to do that. And so they right. seem to have this amazing power uh, over law enforcement and the courts simply because they are so tenacious and never give up and do things that any other organization would just consider crazy. Because there's no financial logic behind it. Like you said, a, a Monsanto would say, well, you know, we spent X millions of dollars. Let's settle this case they're like in a no holds bar fight when you get into Scientology and money is no issue because it's not about money with them. It's about continuing this bizarre, uh, you know, tradition that they have. So as we ask you the final question, then, then we'll give you a minute or two to tell us all about where we can get in touch with you. What, what do you have, uh, to predict for 2020? Is there anything big to look for or anything you're expecting to happen in 2020? Um, in the world of Scientology? I think it's going to be a very exciting year. These three lawsuits have huge potential to be just legal uh, wars. And then there's the most, the, the one that will generate the most press hasn't even been filed yet, and it's going to be filed very soon. Um, it, it's going to be a legal World War III uh, over the next year or two, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch and I know the people that are that are doing this are hoping 
that they expose enough wrongdoing that law enforcement will finally do something and investigate Scientology. I know that the federal government, several different agencies are looking at Scientology, but they never seem to file charges. So I don't, you know, I, I just, I think, uh, 2020 is going to be really interesting because Scientology has been in trouble for a long time, but Miscavige is very good at getting a lot of money out of his wealthy donors. And so he's loaded for bear. He's ready to fight hard. Uh, I, I just think, you know, it, it, it's going to be a really fascinating year at the website. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. So if people want to get in touch with you, tell us about the blog and how they find that and tell us about the books again. It's called The Underground Bunker. The URL is TonyOrtega.org. I have a, st- a new story up every day at 7 a.m. Eastern. A lot of original reporting. Had a huge week this week. A lot of breaking news. Um, on Twitter, I'm TonyOrtega94. Um, the book is The Unbreakable Miss Lovely, which is my history of Paulette Cooper. Uh, the subtitle is How the Church of Scientology Tried to Destroy Paulette Cooper. Uh, she's the target of the worst fair game campaign of all time. And then Paulette and I together put together a book called Battlefield Scientology, which is a collection of the best reporting from the underground bunker with introductions by her. Great combination. Those are both on sale at Amazon. And we have an audible version uh, uh, version of um, Unbreakable Miss Lovely. I don't have one of the, the new book yet. If and you, um, go ahead. You know, we'll just. I mean, but my main my main energy is in that blog every morning at seven a.m. Yeah, I I read it. It's since I've subscribed to it through uh, my my feed reader. It's it's there's always something interesting there to read. Uh, if you ever come to Clearwater in the near future, uh, let me know. I'd love to meet up with you there and just walk around with you. Uh, just kind of get your thoughts on on the ground, what's going on there. That would be a fun day. It's been a few years since I've been down there. I'd love to go again. We'll see. Jim, I'd love to see you, you there. Can, uh, we, can get, we can go together and get disguises, and then we'll go there. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, brother. Have a great New Year. Happy holidays to you and your family, and uh, God bless you. Godspeed, and as you continue to uh, expose these folks, uh, just great work that you're doing. We thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me on, Jim. This thank you. Wow, that was, I have to tell you, every time this guy's on, I just get this like, I don't know, I, I get like chills with the stuff he's talking about. I keep thinking to myself, I know it's America, I know we have freedom of religion and all of that, and people can do crazy things, but this is just, this is spooky, bizarre. It really is. And uh, I know my wife thought I was nuts when I went there to Scientology, but honestly, I just was, honestly, I really was curious what they would say to me and what the class was like, because I always had this thought that, well, maybe there are some useful ideas within all of this craziness that someone could extract from it. But I kind of don't think so after actually going there and experiencing it. It's just a very, very strange thing. And I, God bless Leah Remini for what she's done. Um, bottom line is this folks. I mean, I'm all for the truth getting out. I mean, whatever the truth is, get it out there. If people decide after knowing all the truth about Scientology, they still want to be involved in it, then that's fine. It's free country. They can do that. But, uh, some of these bizarre practices certainly do need to be exposed. And we appreciate Tony Ortega being with us tonight. And, uh, had a little bit of uh, bumpiness there getting him on the line in the first place, but we overcame that and I think had a great show tonight. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.